Hey, everybody, and welcome to my Ruby story. This week, we're talking to Jameis Buck. Jameis, do you want to say hi? Hello. Happy to be here. So uh, we've had you on. Have we had you on more than once? It seems like we have. I need to double check that. Um, at least once. I, uh, I'd have to double check, too. <laughs> yeah, we had you on um, 268. We talked about mazes for programmers. That's right. I don't. Yeah, I don't see another one. Well, cool. So, yeah. Second uh, time's the charm. Yeah, it was pretty funny because uh, I did the the search initially and I saw another episode come <laughs> up, but it's the sidekick episode with Mike Perham. Oh. So, anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, I'm, I'm kind of excited about this. I, I really enjoy talking to you at the conferences and stuff and, you know, having you on Ruby Rogues was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I love this stuff. Good deal. So um, I'm just going to dive right in. Uh, the first question is, how did you get into programming? I'm I'm really curious to hear this. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a lot of a lot of people that are into program programming have been into it since they were tiny. Uh, when I was in elementary school, you know, back in the early '80s or so, I, I we did some turtle graphics on old Apple IIe's mm-hmm. in school labs. I, I remember that pretty vividly. But and then and then I guess my uncle had a Commodore PET. Um, he was a teacher, an elementary school teacher, so he had a Commodore PET, and I remember keying in a bunch of basic programs at his house, probably mid-80s, launched more than one uh, text-based rocket with that. <laughs> but, um, it really wasn't until the summer of my, I guess, my sophomore year, my mom got a Tandy with a whopping 20-megabyte hard drive, and and yeah, I, I remember doing the turtle graphics. I remembered the stuff on the Commodore PET and uh, the manual for the computer included uh, some information on GW Basic. And so I started tinkering and that was kind of the beginning. And uh, I wrote like, you know, the the text adventures kind of stuff. I I, I just fiddled and did whatever came to mind until our computer science quote unquote class in high school was really a word processing class, but uh, my instructor, the teacher there, had access to a Turbo Pascal. And so he let me and another guy kind of go on our own and learn that. Huh. And uh, that was my introduction to some more advanced programming languages. And anyway, so it went from there. It's, a, it's been a kind of a continuous love affair ever since. So. Nice. So how, how do you go from fiddling with Turbo Pascal and uh, GW Basic to Ruby? <laughs> well, Turbo Pascal was a lot of fun, actually. Pascal is a, a fun language. It's very structured and intended to teach programming. Um, from there, my teacher, my senior year, the, my teacher also had Turbo C, or no, it was Turbo C++. And that, so that was my first experience with, you know, uh, a more bare metal I learned about pointers and all that good stuff with Turbo C++ that year. And then uh, uh, pretty much just tinkered with that for a long time. After after college, actually during college, I, uh, I got a job as a programmer with um, doing Power Base, not Power Basic, Power Builder. <laughs> Power Builder, which uh, was Power an Builder. adventure. Yeah, it's, I, don't, uh, I don't think I've ever heard of it. It's a 4GL was a 4GL. I guess I don't even know if it's still a thing, but it was uh, for doing... Uh, we, we were using it for uh, client-server 
stuff at, at BYU. To, we, we wrote a registration system in it and probably wasn't the best use of the tool, but we did it. And uh, from there, we um, merged with another department and started doing a lot of stuff in C. We actually rewrote the registration system in C and were so successful with it that we got in trouble because one of the deans had wanted to was was trying to get his son registered for something and his son waited too long and the system was so efficient that um, there was no lag and this all the stuff filled up in like an hour so the dean yelled at us because the system was too fast was well, a, where was that at that was at BYU ah <laughs> uh, good old BYU <laughs> yeah it was a very uh, pointy haired boss moment but um <laughs> And I, I, I can I can totally around. identify. I'm just going to chime in here really quickly because <laughs> yeah. I worked for the Office of Information Technology at BYU when I was attending school. And <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had actually heard of you there before I had heard of you when I joined the Ruby community. Oh, but uh, yeah, it was it was just interesting. Um, we yeah, we had our pet people that caused us headaches, too. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that, it was it was a wonderful place in a lot of ways. I yeah. love so many people there, but the politics and stuff was, yeah. And then, like, after we'd written everything in C so successfully to have a new uh, C, was it CTO, come in and, uh-huh. and dictate that everything had to be redone in Java and we had to get certified in Java. And, <laughs> but it was actually, it was probably a couple years it was probably right around that time, actually, that I started playing with Ruby. I'd been experimenting with other programming languages. I don't even really remember why now. It was probably something to do with Dungeons & Dragons because I'd written some uh, random generators for D&D, like random mm-hmm. dungeons, random NPCs. And so I started playing with Python and writing some native stuff, uh, like native extensions in Python, and was happy with it at first and then really grew to hate the significant white space. And the, the native extension API was kind of fiddly. And so I went looking again and found Ruby. And... Uh, Really, really loved it right from the get-go. Uh, about how long ago was that? I mean, what was there like the pickaxe book out by then, and you know, it was kind of yeah, gaining I, popularity, or yeah, yeah, it was actually the pickaxe that was my original text for for Ruby. So it was it was right around 2000, 2000 2001 when I came to it. Mm-hmm. So it was still pretty new in the states, but uh, bigger in Japan, right? <clears throat> yeah, and it's it was great. I. My first project was a web server with uh, ERB style, like page templating, and just that was a, a great way to get my feet wet in it. And I'm still learning. I mean, I just just this last couple of weeks, I learned about the Squiggly here doc that was introduced like a, a year ago, mm-hmm. um, where uh, you use the the tilde to introduce the here doc. So tilde and then greater than greater than, and it will illuminate the indentation from the here doc for you automatically. It uh, totally blew my mind. I've been living like a barbarian for the last year. <laughs> so yeah, That's it's, amazing. it's a great language. There's always more to learn. Yeah. So um, you've you've been doing Ruby for quite a long time. I'm I'm <clears> curious where do you where do you go to learn new things? You know, I I just kind of stumble across it. I don't usually go out of my way to learn new Ruby stuff these days um, because it is it's my primary tool for uh-huh. for work. Right. It's it's what I get stuff done with. And usually, as I am, maybe maybe there's uh, some API that I'm less familiar with, and so I, I go hunting for information about that and usually stumble across something totally serendipitously. 
that was the squiggly here doc totally stumbled on that but uh yeah i I don't i don't go out of my way to learn new stuff Mm -hmm. anymore for ruby i probably should i go out of my way to learn other stuff these days but uh, ruby's kind of stabilized for me gotcha so um you built this web server um what other things have you done with Ruby? I mean, some of the things that come to my mind are Capistrano, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Capistrano was was a lot of fun. I, I wrote that and maintained it up until about version 2.5. Uh-huh. And uh, then I, I I was getting burned out on a lot of stuff and, and walked away from it. But I wrote Capistrano. I wrote uh, NetSSH for Ruby mm-hmm. uh, and all its friends, NetSFTP, NetSCP, uh, NetSSH Gateway. Um, I maintained all of those up until about version two, a little after. Um, I wrote the SQLite three Ruby bindings, the initial the first versions of that. Um, uh, I was an early Rails core team member. In fact, that's kind of where Capistrano came out of. I was working for Thirty Seven Signals at the time, and they uh, they were moving from one server to two servers, and and Ooh. wanted to <laughs> wanted to. Uh, improve their deployment system and so they asked me to write something and Capistrano came out of that. That was a lot of fun. But yeah, so uh, I worked with David, DHH, on a lot of the early Rails stuff. Um, Jeremy Kemper mm-hmm. uh, at the time. Different name now, but uh, he he uh, was there too. Anyways, good times. Kind of cowboy period of Rails where we were fighting against the Java juggernaut and uh, trying to raise raise awareness and show people that that rails was a good, good way to go. It was fun. Yeah. that's about where I came into it. Um, was after it had kind of started getting some traction and yeah, everybody was saying, yeah, why use Java? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And the whole rails doesn't scale. That was the huge argument. Oh yeah. At the time. And we fought against that a lot. It was fun. Yep. So we were still figuring out, uh, uh, best practices and how to do stuff. There was about that time I wrote the article about skinny controller fat model, coined mm-hmm. that term. It's kind of funny to see how that's almost become an anti-pattern now too, though. So, <laughs> yeah. <coughs> so, so I'm curious. Um, you know, back in these early days of Rails, I mean, what was it like being on that uh, 37 Signals team and trying to extract this out of Basecamp and you know make it available for everybody to use? I mean, a lot of times we just kind of take it for granted. Oh, well, they just took all the Basecamp E stuff out of it, and then we had Rails. But it it seems like there'd be more to it than that. Yeah, and honestly, the hard work was done by the time I came on. Um, David had already written the first version of Basecamp and extracted Rails from it. And so it was a separate framework when I mm-hmm. came on. But there was the dependency between Basecamp and Rails was so tight at the time. We ran edge rails all the time on Basecamp in production. And so if something in rails was broken or not working for us, it was a matter of production stability to get in there and fix it and patch rails. And so a lot of the changes in those early times were directly related to performance or features that we needed or uh, things like that. And uh, that was good and bad. I mean, rails moved really fast Mm -hmm. because we needed it to move fast. It matured quickly, uh, it adapted quickly. Um, of course, it, it was just a few years before we realized that running it on edge was not going to be the most stable <laughs> way to do things in the long term. And so, you know, we, we eventually locked it to a version and and then uh, progressed a little more maturely. But uh, it was it was great. Like 
Um, we'd have discussions in the base camp chat room, campfire, about uh, what needed to change, how to fix it, what you know, what the best way to approach the different problems were, and uh, usually we'd agree. Sometimes we wouldn't, and when we wouldn't, David would usually win the, the arguments anyway. <laughs> and, uh, it was fun. It was good times. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the, the Ruby community has changed a bit <laughs> since then. Yeah, a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember writing Rails uh, 1.2 and, you know, and then, yeah, Rails 2 was, you know, it was a big change. Rails 3 was a bigger change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it it, it also... Gone, go ahead. from the, the RJS templates, which were so bleeding edge and mind-blowing at the time, to an explosion of JavaScript frameworks mm-hmm. and, and JSON has come on the scene and um, we've gone like early versions of Basecamp were hosted on Apache and then Nginx and you know it was a light H, light HTTP that other one that was big for a while and anyway yep. the everything comes and goes and things change quickly but yeah, yeah it's a different landscape now than it was 10 years ago for sure Absolutely. Are, are there other things that you've done in Ruby that you want to talk about? Just, uh, you know, contributions or I remember your blog was kind of a big place to go to back in the day. Yeah. I mean, my blog, I, I, uh, I tried to get back into that a year or two ago and was pretty good for a little while. I've kind of <laughs> dropped that ball again. There was a period, you know, 10, you know, eight, 10 years ago where I was trying to blog every day, some, some tip or a rails or Ruby tip. That was fun. I really enjoyed that, and people really seemed to like that. My, my most enduring con- con- contribution that way is probably my maze posts. Mm-hmm. Uh, those still get a lot of traffic. Um, Even though you have a book on it now? Yeah, I mean, the book, you have to buy the book. <laughs> the blog <laughs> posts are free. <laughs> but um, I think I think they do drive, uh, drive traffic to my book just because uh, the blog posts aren't the clearest and they mm-hmm. assume uh, honestly I'm not very happy with the, the architecture of the code in the blog posts it's pretty uh, bare metal and makes a lot of assumptions but uh, yeah I mean it still drives a lot of traffic people still uh, still reach out to me about it and are grateful for them I'm happy to have to have done something that made a difference you know it's that makes me feel good Yep. Um, last year, I, I ran a series of uh, programming challenges. That was a lot of fun. What do you Just, mean? Basically, I would post and say, okay, you have one week. Here's what you need to write. Uh, it might have been like a, a Perlin noise generator or it might oh, okay. have been a calculator grammar parser, um, something like that. And then, you know, people would implement certain requirements uh, and get points for it. And then at the end of the week, I would post who had responded and how many points they'd gotten. And then I'd post another challenge. And uh, that was a lot of fun too. It was really cool because, you know, I got to depart from Ruby a little bit. I got to participate in those challenges myself and, mm-hmm. and try to learn some new programming languages. I did Go and Rust and Erlang and Elixir and Elm and a bunch of those. It was a lot of fun. Got to see how other people implemented them in different languages. I think there's a lot to learn. Like Ruby is an awesome language, and it's still my favorite. But there's a lot to learn by branching out a little bit and seeing um, seeing what other languages have to offer and, and how uh, 
how you have to change how you think about a problem to solve it in a different language too. I think it's really mm-hmm. valuable. Yeah, that makes sense. One one thing that you mentioned here that I think is interesting as well is that you said that Ruby's still your go-to tool after what, 17 years? Yeah. Um, it seems like a lot of people move around, right? It's It was Java and then it was Ruby and now it's Node. Um, you know, and, and people have moved on to other things, Elixir, um, you know, so, so what is it about Ruby that makes you want to stay? It's very comfortable to me, very familiar and it's very powerful. Um, I, I like how the frameworks in Ruby are continuing to evolve as well. Uh, Rails keeps improving and changing. Um, the, the new things that come out, uh, that's the one I was thinking of just the other day. I'm blanking now. I've tried something new and it was great. <laughs> uh, I, I just really like, appreciate how Ruby doesn't show its age. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I always felt, for me, like when I had to use Java, admittedly my Java experience was tasted, tainted with a lot of negative experiences at BYU where we were forced to use it and forced to get cert- certified. And um, But I've always kind of felt that Java felt like overkill for a lot of things. And I've never felt that way with Ruby. I've never felt that it was too big of a tool for the job. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it scales really well from little to big. I, I like that. I, I do enjoy trying other languages too, like I said. And uh, maybe there will come a day when uh, I need to change my primary tool. But for now, Ruby and Rails both serve me really well. Nice. So uh, I'm kind of curious. I know that you've left... Uh, 37 signals or base camp, I think is what they call themselves now. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're doing your own thing. What, what is your own thing? I mean, are you consulting for other people? Or are you building, you know, the next <laughs> Facebook or. <laughs> no, I, I'm doing freelance consulting. I, uh, I don't have a lot of clients. My time's really limited. My wife's actually back in school. Um, and so I kind of hold, hold things together at home while she's away while she's off during the day. And, and so, uh, yeah, I'm not able to, to do as much as I would like. But, yeah, I've got, I've got uh, a client and just do, you know, what they need and work, work the hours I need to, to put money on, put food on the table and pay the bills. So um, I would like to do more speaking and teaching. I, I miss opportunities to do that. But, uh, yeah, primarily freelancing. I'm actually writing another book now, too. Uh, as we mentioned, I wrote that uh, Mazes for Programmers a couple years mm-hmm. ago now, and I'm starting another book now about uh, writing a ray tracer, actually, uh, which is uh, it's a, a method of rendering 3D images um, photorealistically. And the algorithms behind it are very elegant and a lot simpler than people might expect. And I think uh, it's a great, um, what's the word? recreational programming opportunity, a great way just to, to relax and try something new. Mm-hmm. So I actually it came to it because my son, who's 15, was wanting to do a programming project with me, and I thought, well, let's, let's do a ray tracer because I'd done them before, and it's fun, mm-hmm. and it's shiny, and there's things to look at that make it exciting. And so uh, we sat down and started working through the steps a little bit at a time, and I started making notes about, well, okay, if we... If I were to turn this into a curriculum or a blog series of blog posts, how would I do it? And before I knew it, I had a page of notes and thought, you know, maybe maybe I could do a book. And so, Pragmatic liked the idea, and here I am. Well, there you go. 
Um, I'm, I'm kind of curious, you know, over all of the years that you've been doing Ruby, um, what's one experience that you feel like kind of shaped your career in Ruby? I would have to say that 37 signals being hired by 37 signals was, um, the defining moment for, for my career. I had been doing some Ruby at BYU kind of sneaking it into the system. Uh Uh, like, of course it was all Java. And so we were doing, you know, Ant and Maven scripts, and I would write Ruby scripts and have Ant and Maven shell out and run them. Um, <laughs> so I mean, I, I was doing some there, but it was all kind of illicit, you know. <laughs> and uh, so being able to meet David at uh, RubyConf in DC back in 2004 and chat with him and and uh, realize I might have some more to offer, and uh, and then being hired by them, it was. Uh, it was very confidence building. It was exciting uh, being able to write Ruby every day and make a difference with it. Um, I still, so much about, and I was there for nine years, and so much of that really defined the way I think about software. And, uh, you know, a lot of my opinions are heavily influenced by, you know, the ideas DHH and, and Jason Fried both preach. And, and yeah, it was, it was fantastic. It was definitely like I said one of those moments that really mm-hmm. defined my career so that's interesting did you actually get your job at 37 <laughs> signals by going to rubyconf or yeah actually because david and i did that was the rubyconf where david gave his presentation about rails very first one he had released rails that summer and then was speaking about rails at that rubyconf and i was speaking about dependency injection a dependency injection framework that i'd written because I was in Java land. And uh, and we started talking, and I'd written the SQLite bindings for Ruby at the time, and so we talked about that and how Rails might be able to use those. And uh, a little bit, a month or two later, David and Jason asked me to do some freelancing for them. I, I wrote the SFTP interface for Basecamp, which turned out to be a nightmare to maintain, but that's another story. <laughs> And then uh, a couple months after that, they uh, they made me an offer, and uh, yeah, it was it's been great. So yeah, I got my job because I met David at RubyConf. Let that be a lesson to everyone, right? Well, it's funny too because uh, I mean it's not it's not the same kind of you know life defining or you know uh, career defining thing, but um, we I had been trying to get uh, David on. Uh, my podcast back when I was doing the rails coach podcast, man, that was a long time ago. Um, and, uh, I would never get an email response. And so, yeah, I was at a rails conf and I was walking by and I saw an empty chair next to him and I sat down and started chatting with him. And (laughs) then I said, will you come on my podcast? And he said, sure. And that's how that all (laughs) happened. That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of that where, uh, you know, it's just, taking the opportunity. I think, I think that's one object lesson that we can pull from this is just, you know, there are certain things that you can't have happen anyway, but in person. And then, you know, just, I mean, I, I don't know that David was necessarily a big name in Ruby when you met him, but you know, just, you know, having the guts to go up and tell him you're doing something interesting. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like you said, the face to face people are so much more open really when you're face to face in general it's it's easy 
in an online interaction to dismiss someone or to ignore uh, a you know a, a message or something mm-hmm. or to overlook a message even, yeah honestly whereas face to face people are people and it comes out more and you, you make more of an impression too when you you meet someone and are polite to them in person yep absolutely so uh <laughs> yeah is it so you you mentioned you're working on a book now mm-hmm. and you're consulting i mean are there any other things you want to talk about that you're doing right now um i mean there's things i'm involved in that aren't code related i've uh i've been learning a martial art called kyokido for the last year and that's that's been pretty life-changing for me uh, i've never pictured myself being a physically active person mm-hmm. but uh this is it's it's been really really good um, just the philosophy of it and, you know, the physical activity and learning something new in a, a way. I mean, I always, I've always loved learning. I love finding something new to learn and discover. I'm, I'm reading about neural networks these days because I've put that off too long. And, and, uh, but, but doing something physical, like teaching your body to do something new is very different from teaching your brain to think about something differently. Mm-hmm. Both are valuable. But I've just never done the physical one before, and I'm I'm finding that I really like it. Good deal. So these days, if people want to see what you're working on or thinking about, you know, is it still your blog, or are there other places people should be looking? I definitely tweet more than I blog. I don't do either very often, but uh, I'm I'm Jameis at Twitter, um, and uh, yeah, I mean my blog. Um, weblog.jamesbuck.org. That's kind of where I, I write my larger, you know, project things that I'm I'm doing. Like I said, I've kind of fallen behind on that. I've got some mm-hmm. things I would like to talk more about on there, but uh, remains to be seen. I'd also like to eventually revisit Basil and Fabian. Um, do you, I don't know if you remember that. It was like three years ago. I wrote mm-hmm. a short story about a wizard and his manservant and and couched a bunch of lessons about algorithms in this little novella that I wrote huh. online. So I'd like to go back and revisit some of that and do some more with, uh, with those characters. That was a lot of fun. That sounds uh, really interesting. I'll have to check uh, that out. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. It was fun. I, I spent, I don't know, about four or five months writing that. <clears throat> Very cool. Well, um, I guess the last question is, do you have any picks? Anything you want to shout out sure. about? Sure, I talk about Kyokido. There's a book by a guy named Joe Hyams called Zen in the Martial Arts. And whether you're in the martial arts or not, that's a fantastic book. Just a great uh, collection of short essays about how Zen philosophies can apply to your life. And uh, I don't know that I buy into Zen wholesale. It's, it's kind of a fascinating philosophy, and I'd like to learn more about it. But just some of the stuff is just very practical about... Uh, uh, controlling yourself, controlling um, your thoughts and your actions, and uh, anyway, I got a lot out of that. That was that was a great book. Um, another thing that I stumbled on that kind of changed my outlook on the internet was the whole uh, wholesome network on Reddit. Um, Reddit has always seemed like a, a poisonous area in so many ways, but this wholesome network—it's a collection of different subreddits that are all based on wholesomeness. Wholesome memes, wholesome gifts, wholesome mm-hmm. comics. That's that's been a lot of fun. It's very uplifting to go and read, and kind of reaffirms my 
my faith in the internet and uh, <laughs> so yeah definitely shout out about that too very cool um man i'm running out of picks because <laughs> i've done three of these interviews today already um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, one of the picks that I have, and I, I'm sure this is like old news for everybody, right? Um, but one of the tools that I just can't live without, I'll just pick some of those, yeah. Um, one of them is Slack, and I'm sure everybody and their dog uses Slack or has at least tried it. And if you haven't, go try it. Um, but uh, one of the things that I've done in um, in Slack in particular is I've actually set up some automation so that it will... Um, I have a keeping current channel in my team Slack. And so it posts stuff from Reddit. So if something makes it into the hot topics or whatever on the rails or um, Ruby reddits, then it posts in there. And I've got a few other topics that are, you know, posting there as well. I've got some other places that I tend to look for, you know, just articles, but they don't really have anything that I can latch onto with Zapier. So Zapier is the tool I'm using for that. Um, so in particular, you know, if javascript.com, their news feed had an RSS feed, that would be nice. Cause I could pipe it into here. Um, but you know, I can also pull stories from Ruby flow though. I find that the quality is not as high because they don't get upvoted and anybody can post there. Um, but yeah, so just things like that, that I've got uh, going on that are really helpful. So, uh, Zapier is the tool I'm using for that. And it just posts a Slack channel. And since you can set up a Slack for free, you know, you could set this up for yourself if you wanted. Um, one other tool that I've been using quite a bit more lately is Zoom, zoom.us. And it uh, it's a video chat service. Great. My neighbor's mowing their lawn. I don't know if you can hear that. <laughs> a little bit. But uh, anyway, it's, it's a terrific tool and it does uh, video, audio, um, you can do webinars with it, which I'm kind of considering for the next round of uh, remote conferences. And then um, you can also share screens and things like that. But you can you can schedule calls, regular calls. So people use the same link to join or the same number to join and dial in. And uh, it's pretty good. So I've been pretty happy with that as well. Um, and then I also just want to pick your book, the Mazes for Programmers book. Awesome. I, I, I've enjoyed uh, look through that and uh, I'll admit I haven't read it front to back, but um, yeah, it's just kind of fun to go through the mental exercise of how the heck would you do this? Mm-hmm. Good. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, uh, I actually want to revisit it eventually and see if I can remove the, the rubiness from it. Um, that's some of the only negative feedback I've received from it is people saying, I got your book and I loved it, but, I was sad that it was in Ruby. And anyway. Why? Ruby's great. I know. It's great. It practically reads like pseudocode. But anyway, <laughs> so that's, the, that's the issues I've heard about it. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, um, I think we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. But uh, thanks for coming and uh, sharing your story with us. Thanks for having me, Jack. This was fun. No problem. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.